cold. We'll be gone. Hey everybody, <laughs> we are live for our Sunday weekly warm up to get you ready for a fantastic weekend we hope you have had. And now we're headed into an incredible week. We have some action steps for you. We have some fun, you know, like stories we're going to share with you. We're all kind of reminiscing before we click the live button about how we're all going to physically be together in two weeks at the Teach Better Conference. It's going to be so much fun. As a reminder, our Sunday weekly warm-up is an exclusive show to our private Facebook group, which you all have access to over at teachbettergroup.com. The reason we do that on Sunday nights is because we love to have everybody commenting all in one space so all of you can see each other's comments. So you can not only engage with all of us here on the screen, but each other. This group is full of over 7,000 plus educators. They get to hang out on a daily basis together, ask questions, share resources. But then of course, if you're watching this after the fact, this will be accessible for everyone on the planet on all of our social media networking sites, as well as our Teach Better Talk podcast episode the following day. But you gotta be here live for the commenting and to participate in the discussion. We'll be right back here with Kevin Butler as we dive into the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up. Hey everyone, my name is Ray Hewart. I'm here with the one and only Brad Hughes and our incredible guest, Kevin Butler. Brad, happy Sunday. It's good to see you, friend. Good to see you too, Ray. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday to everybody joining us for the Sunday weekly warm-up exclusively at teachbettergroup.com in our private Facebook group. And we're welcoming in the Kevin J. Butler. Good evening, Kevin. Welcome to the uh, weekly warm-up. Hey, how's everybody doing? Kevin, I feel like our internal team, I know people know you all over the world, but our internal team gets so excited when Kevin Butler is around. You've been a part of our Teach Better family for a long time. You always share such incredible engagement strategies and everything in between. But maybe somebody here is connecting with you for the first time. Do you mind sharing a little about yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Kevin Butler. Uh, I am a, I, I'm getting used to saying this because for 19 years, I was a fifth grade teacher, but I am now a sixth grade teacher uh, in Los Angeles, California. That's why it's still sunny out here on mm. the West Coast. Uh, it's my 20th year teaching. Um, like I said, I taught uh, fifth grade for most of my career. Uh, 12 of those years was, uh, was back in New York. Uh, eight years ago, I came out to Los Angeles to kind of, it was only temporary. It was only supposed to be for a year to help a startup school. I was consulting with them. Um, which eight years later, I am um, still here. I tell the story all the time that it was uh, February here in Los Angeles, and I got into my car my very first year here, and I was complaining, and I turned my car on. Um, I was complaining how cold it was, and it was 62 degrees, 62 degrees. Um, and that's when I realized, I think uh, it's time to stay in sunny Los Angeles. So. Is it also weird for you to say that you are a published author? Because that, you just put out a book, and I, I have to tell you, this is a book that I personally have. I love flipping through the pages and seeing the actionable takeaways. And hello, all the pictures. All yeah. the pictures. Lots of pictures. Um, yeah, it's still I'm not used to saying published author yet. Um, but it, yes, I am a published author, which is pretty cool. 
I mean, I, I have to tell you that if people haven't picked up your book, they're going to at the Teach Better Conference because I constantly talk about it. I love a book with pictures. I love a book with action steps and easy to use checklists. Don't get me wrong. I know that a lot of books have a lot of value in it, but I need it like quick and dirty. Like give me, I'm, I love a good checklist. I love a good like activity I can go use in my classroom right away. It's chock full of them. I love it. And that was really like the purpose behind it was to like, it was like a one-stop shop where like you can quickly find what you need and implement it like tomorrow or like next period with like extremely little prep. Yeah, it's so good. Brad, I know you always love student engagement to be a focus. I'm sure we'll talk about that obviously when we get into like our discussion later, later today. But Brad, being in an elementary school, you must see student engagement all over the place. I sure do, Ray. And uh, what excites me about uh, talking with Kevin tonight and about talking about his book uh, is Kevin, I know, is committed not only to student engagement, to but to rallying other educators to figure out what students need, where their interests lie, and how we might unite their interests with our interest in serving them as educators as well. So, Kevin, I'm wondering what uh, what takeaways you would love uh, a reader or someone to pick up your book. If you can think of one quick takeaway that you would love or that you would love to leave them with, what, what are you hoping that people get from your new book? You know, a lot of it is engagement, but I think the biggest theme, and even as I was writing it, it was something, um, we almost changed the title of it to Relationships Matter, um, mm. because that is just a constant theme through this book, um, how much relationships, and not just with our, our students who are in front of us, but it's with uh, the teachers next door. It's with you know, the entire school staff, it's with the parents of your, your, you know, your students. So it's building that, that, those relationships. And it's funny because I'm like living it right now. I'm like following a lot of my own advice because I started a new school last month and like I'm starting all over with building these relationships. Like the kids are all new, the families are all new, the staff is all new. Um, and really taking that time to, to, to create those relationships. Well, I know we're going to get into a lot of discussion around relationships because I think we all believe and know relationships matter. But again, Kevin, I'm going to say it over and over. You're somebody who's chock full of strategies and actionable steps that we can take to enhance relationships, which is the people that I love to surround myself with. Like, I love that overarching philosophy, but how do you actually help me do it better? And that's why I love having you a part of my network. But aside from all that, I'd love to hear like how your weekend was as we start getting into our discussion. I'd love to hear in the comments, anybody with us now, how was your weekend? Um, anything, anything exciting in your world, Kevin? Uh, well, it's October. It was October 1st yesterday. So it's like pretend fall here in Los Angeles. That's like the biggest thing when people ask me, do you miss the East Coast? I do miss the fall. Like the smell, like the air, the smell in the air changes. Um, so we have like, I pretend it's fall here. I, I decorated a little bit for Halloween. You know, I get a pumpkin spice latte to mm. trick my mind a little bit. Mm. Um, actually met up with a, uh, a teacher friend today for coffee. Um, so it's just been kind of a chill, relaxing. I have my four, I go to Barry's boot camp, which they're all over the United States in, in major cities. And my 400th class today. So Ooh. That, was, that was a big deal. So good. Brad, are you a fall person? I feel like fall must be your favorite season. Is it not? Uh, summer's my favorite, but fall is a close second, Ray. And uh, here in Ontario, the fall leaves are changing color. Uh, there is absolutely a nip in the air. So I do love bundling up and uh, going for a walk, enjoying uh, PSL or enjoying uh, some anything pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie, pumpkin, 
anyway, pumpkin cookies. Uh, Kevin, I can see your tiny little pumpkin there, your LA pumpkin right behind you there. That's just a beautiful specimen there. And uh, Ray, do you, do you uh, live for the fall yourself? I live for the fall. Like I need to live somewhere where it is fall all the time. Um, this is my weather. And and Candace, I know you love camping. I'm so glad you were able to do that. Brad, you also spent the weekend camping. I feel like we have a lot of campers in our Teach Better community. And you must love camping, not in the summer when it's 100 degrees, but in the fall when it's like 60s. That's how everything should be. There's something lovely about uh, building a campfire and just uh, sitting and relaxing when there is a nip in the air. Maybe you've got a clear, cool night. The stars are coming out and uh, it's a, a great way to spend an autumn evening uh, here in my part of the world. Yeah, I can pass on the whole like negative 10 degree winters. Like that's when I yeah. wish, Kevin, I was in, you know, L.A. with you. But but I do love like the the fall 60 degree evening. How cold does it get in the winter? Maybe you just shifted where you start, you actually have fall. It's just like December. Uh, it is, people don't believe me, but it's pretty much 80 degrees year round. How is that possible? I'm sorry, yeah. what? It's it's pretty much 80 degrees. I mean, in the summer, it'll get a little bit hotter. Um, in the like January, it'll be in the 70s. Um, but that's that's it. But it's it's so weird because time here is so skewed because like you don't like i'll be out on a hike and i i won't like like is it september is it august is it december like there's without the season it's it's just and there's no humidity like florida it's okay. just very it's just a unique climate it's what mm -hmm. it's probably what truly keeps me here See, I think I just need to do a year where I move to California and experience what that's like. Because I I almost don't believe you, although I don't believe you'd lie to me. You know what I mean? Like living in, I live just outside of Chicago. We have very clear four seasons and it changes on a dime. Like it has been 60 degrees for the last week and it, it will stay that way until it's negative 10 and there won't be any middle. And uh, Brad, what do you think? Maybe we should just take the entire Teach Better team uproot and just live in Kevin's house for a year. Well, we are looking forward to celebrating Teach Better 22 coming soon in Ohio, but I'm thinking maybe Teach Better West Coast, uh, TBWC in uh, 23 uh, would be a, a really great thing to do. And Ray, that would mean that, you know, members of the Teach Better team like you or like me would probably need to head out west, uh, just check in with Kevin, see a number of the venues, just make sure that it's an appropriate locale, make sure that, you know, the climate is as advertised and, you know, just look for those value added things that could really make teach better West coast 23, uh, a real not to be missed opportunity. What do you think? I think it's a great idea in the comments. We would love to have you kind of get your juices flowing as we head into today's conversation. <laughs> if you would please let us know if you would be pro West coast next, uh, next teach better conference, you flying out. We're all, we'll all just stay at Kevin's house. You'll be fine. And we'll experience the weather. We'll be right back. We're going to head into our discussion. We want to see your votes in the comments. Welcome back into the Teach Better Sunday Weekly Warm-Up. It's Brad Hughes and Ray Hewer here from the Teach Better team, welcoming in author and educator and hiker Kevin Butler from Los Angeles, California. Kevin, in addition to hiking, what other value-added things are there in Southern California that keep you there and, and keep you wanting to stay? 
it, what, what's really cool about Southern California is you could, and people do this, you could go to the beach in like the morning and go surfing if you're a surfer. And then you can travel up into the mountains and go skiing like all in the same day. And I don't know many places where you can do that. Um, and Los Angeles itself, it's a, if you've never been here, it's very, like I just had someone last week and come from New York who had never been here before. And it's not, it's not like Chicago. It's not like New York. It's not even like San Francisco. It's just such a spread out city. Um, it takes an hour to go anywhere. Like you say, oh, it's, you look at the map and it's only like five miles, but it's an hour to get there because there is a ridiculous amount of traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a really cool place. And you, you, you see this occasional celebrity, like you'll be getting a coffee and, you know, a celebrity will be in front of you. I've been at the grocery store and I've turned around and I'm like, Ooh, that's so-and-so. That's nuts. That is such a different way of life, but I love that you are enjoying it. And I'm so excited that you moved to sixth grade as a former sixth grade math teacher. I am such a fan of you like kind of moving into the dark side and enjoying sixth grade life. Can you give me one difference you've seen? And I know you've only been in school for a few weeks, but a difference you've seen between fifth grade and sixth grade. I always have to ask that. Uh, big difference. Um, they're all brand new kids, so it's hard to say, like, because it's a new school. Um, yeah. I think for me, the difference is that I am no longer teaching, like, a whole class all day long. So I'm yeah. only teaching uh, reading and writing. So I'm seeing kids for 45 minutes or 60 minutes at a time. And that's a very different experience than having them all day long. Yes, I totally understand that. And, and while there's actually pros and cons, right? You have a an impact on on more students, right? Because they're kind of circulating in and out. But you also, it's a little bit more challenging to build those relationships. I know relationships are so important to you. Any strategies to kind of kick off our dialogue here that you would say, hey, I, you know, I'm experiencing this myself. This is a strategy that I put in place to continue to foster those relationships. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was actually talking about it with a friend today about how that's like the challenge I'm having right now is because when you have them all day long, you can build those relationships very quickly. Um, and now only having them, like I said, for those shorter amount of times, it's harder. And the first couple of weeks, we're going into week four um, this week. And like this past week, like that rapport between kids, it's, it's starting to just happen. I think just the importance of and in the very beginning, like 45 minutes is nothing. Like to teach reading and writing, like I was using every single second. I'm pulling back a little bit and I'm like having those little conversations as they come in, giving two minutes, ending class two minutes early to have some like exiting conversations. Whenever I bring them back, I still read to like a big part of my whole philosophy is reading to kids every single day. Um, so I still like bring them back to, I have a back area where they're sitting on the floor and, you know, you, you ask what's the difference between the fifth and sixth. They still love that. Some people are like, oh, sixth graders aren't going to want to be read to, but they love it. Um, they just, they, they eat it up and just getting to know their personalities. Um, that was something I loved about fifth grade is because their personalities started to come out. Sixth grade, you really, really start to see it. Um, I have kids who are taller than me, um, so that's a little crazy, <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm loving it. I really value that little adjustment that you found already so helpful that even though you have 45 minutes and as a 
content specific teacher, you're thinking, okay, I have to soak up every single moment, educate every single standard. And that mindset to say, no, I'm going to like dial it back a little bit to leave time for those organic conversations and the joking to occur, right? Right. It's like a, you have 45 minute um, opportunity to be with students, but you're only going to plan for 35 minutes of a lesson. So you kind of give yourself permission to get to know the students. Brad, I, I'm sure that this is a big focus for you. I know you're in an elementary setting, but having those conversations, you know, is so important to build those relationships. Ray, we're not in a rotary setting uh, where I work, but I was a middle school teacher previously. And remember that constant in and out, that rotation of class to class, the hustle and bustle, and was also a middle school vice principal. So making those transitions smooth and successful from class to class is one thing. But Kevin, it sounds to me like prioritizing conversations and prioritizing relationships with the kids that you welcome in may just give them that extra boost, that extra, extra something to look forward to when they come into your class. Are there, are there other things that you hope that they're anticipating positively when they come into your classroom? I think just we also took time to just go over those procedures. Like I had to let them know, like that was going to be part of our day is having those conversations. You know, I'm, you know, very traditional. Like I'm still standing at the door as they're coming in. Now I used to do that in the morning, but now I'm doing it, you know, throughout the day as the classes are coming through. And whether it's a high five or it's just that eye contact or, you know, addressing people by their names. I think those are just so important and outlining that for kids. Like, yeah, I do expect you to say hello to me when you come through the door or, you know, share something, you know, maybe you don't have to share something every single day, but, you know, be part of our classroom discussions when it's not about academics. Like I, every Monday, you know, when I call them back, we will talk about, you know, their weekends and being an active, what does an active participant and participant in active conversations look like? I think that's such a good reminder because I know for Sunday weekly warm up, we're talking about getting your mindset ready for the week. And I really value the reminder that what we know is good for students in the morning is still good for students in the afternoon. And that that example of standing by the door, making eye contact, using students names, it's easy to kind of get in the role of it later in the day and to get distracted or want to spend the extra 30 seconds responding to that parent email while students are walking in because the hustle and bustle of the day just seemingly get you just get behind. And I love that this is an opportunity for maybe all of us to say, okay, this week, can I make sure to use the same intention I use at 8.30 in the morning when students walk in my room for the first time at 2.15 when my last class is entering. I, I wonder if that mindset is just a, a good opportunity for us to remind ourselves of that good that good practice. And even the energy level, like I've, I'm now repeating the same lesson multiple times. I've never really done that before. And you know, what's cool about the school I'm at is that it, their schedule changes. So the, the class I see first tomorrow, I won't see them first the next day. Like, so it is rotating through. But that first class gets should get as much energy as your last class does. But like, how do we do that? Do we divide our energy up a little bit? But, you know, making sure that they all get all of us as much as possible. I think uh, Brienne in the comments has one way we can maintain our energy throughout the day. And that's just to soak up the energy, those moments when their faces light up, when they see you. We, we know that relationships are both protective and restorative. So Kevin, you know, you're looking forward to welcoming new groups of 
young people into your classroom on a rotating or on a you know on an ongoing basis throughout the day and you know do, does that moment do those moments of recognition those moments of face light up do, they, do you find them restorative and they they help you power through oh definitely i mean just I, I love when they come in and even a couple of them are like, we've never had a language arts class like this. You know, mm -hmm. I think some of them are very used to maybe just sitting at a desk and like the movement and bringing them to the back and letting them, you know, peer edit when we're writing and having those conversations when we're responding to, to questions and reading and things like that. So definitely. So important. And I'm seeing a lot of that, Brad, in the comments, whether it be Candace or Brie, but they're talking about not necessarily like limiting your energy throughout the day, but finding ways to refuel throughout the day so you can have the same energy level, which I think was the way that I recommend doing it too. It, it's not necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to give 30% here and 30% here as you go, but finding opportunities to say, okay, how can I boost my energy up? Candace, just like you, when I put up pump up music, I get like completely a new burst of energy. It's like your fifth wind, right? And then you're like, ready to go. <laughs> In addition, it's, uh, you know, Kevin, you, you found your secret sauce. It's that uh, it's that balance of uh, welcoming, approachability, focus on relationships. You prioritize reading aloud to your kids. And, and when educators find out what lights them up, then you bet it's going to light their kids up, too, when they come into their spaces. I'd love to know more about how your book, Lights, Cameras, Teach. How is that? How is that showing up for you in your classes? How is that showing up for you in the difference that you make? to your kids with your own secret sauce? One of the coolest things is I was, now that I, I knew I was going to be teaching, reading, and writing this year. So I was able to save all of the drafts of the book. And as we are now going through the writing process, it is so cool. Like you talk about it as a teacher, the writing, the five steps of the writing process. What does that look like? And now I'm like showing them like what the original outline looked like that I submitted to a publisher um, that the title was different, that the order of chapters were different, um, that things that I wanted to write about aren't in there and things that I didn't think I would write about are in there. Um, we're writing an expository essay right now. So I was able to share just like the introduction and how that looked and how that changed. So that's like a, that's a cool, like just teaching tool to have, to have like a, this real published book and then being able to show them like, I did this, so like you could do it too. Um, so that's been really neat. Kevin, I know that this like totally may not be your thing, but full transparency, my favorite thing I ever did when Teach Better came out was I brought it to my students. I should have done what you did with showing all the drafts. I just I love that idea. I I I need to steal that myself. I want to see that done anywhere for any educator that's ever done any sort of writing publication of whether it's it should be you could do this with a blog there's so many ways to do that i love that you're doing that but i had my students my sixth graders uh they all got to color on one of the pages of the book their name and so i have a teach better book that i keep in my office that is all my students the year that the book was published with their names as like doodles and on the pages of like crayon and colored pencil but such a good memento and a way to kind of celebrate with students that publication, I, I don't know if that would be your thing, but it was such a good keepsake. A lot of them want to read it too. And it's funny, like I have to like, I'm like, it's really for teachers. I think it's so nice. And like, I have it on display and so many of them like will try it. And then they realize like, oh, this really, but then they're like, they see all my secrets in there. Like, like, are we doing that? When is, when are we doing that? Or what, what, you know, I'm like, 
don't read too much. <laughs> They're on to you now. <laughs> it is a good opportunity to show them audience though, right? Like this may not be the, you may not be in the audience to read this, right? That's good for tone and everything. Else. And well, and how powerful to show them the creative process too, that, you know, creating a book or a manuscript or anything, whether it's a, a piece of visual art or a poem, it's, it's iterative. You, you, you begin and you take a misstep or you take a sidetrack. It, it's a process of creation and you're bringing something brand new into the world. How exciting for you to share that with your readers. How exciting for you to share that with your students. And you're modeling the way forward for them, Kevin, and peeling back the layers on the fact that creativity is for everyone. It's within everyone's reach. Uh, you just have to have the vision and the self-confidence and the support to get it done. Right. And just the idea, like I write a little bit about it in the book, but also when I speak, I, I, in the United States or as a, as a, an entire planet, like we need to start normalizing making mistakes. Like it's okay to make a mistake and kids are so scared, especially when writing that they're going to make a mistake or it's going to be wrong. Hands are up all the time. Is this good? Is this good? Is this good? And like, I showed them like all of the comments that I got back from my editor, like, look at this pages and pages of revision ideas. Like, it is okay to make mistakes. Um, so that's like been a really powerful message too. Love that, so important. And that's actually a segment that I know we'll get to here in a little bit about failures. I think normalizing failures is such an important element. Before we transition to that, can you provide us with a challenge as our community here is headed into you know, the first week of October, anything that they should maybe keep in mind, something that maybe they can do and report back to you, a mindset they could keep uh, as they head into the week ahead? Um, this is advice that I'm following myself right now, again, like being in a new school um, and that idea of relationships. I challenge everybody to try to interact with someone in their school community that they have not interacted with yet. Being new, it's really easy because there's lots and lots of people but whether that's just like keeping your door open or going down a hallway maybe you don't normally travel in and peeking your head in and just like saying hello to somebody, um, try to like start a relationship up with somebody that maybe you have not had an opportunity to do so. And it, it sounds easy, but as teachers, as educators, our day, you know, the day starts off and just hundreds of things pile up. But push that aside and like make it a priority this week to try to find someone new to, to communicate with. Brad, in your building, would that be a challenge for you to, that you would be able to take on this week? 100% Ray. And it, it really resonates with me as a, a personal motto of mine is to let no one pass by unacknowledged. Uh, and Kevin, just as you've said, uh, once you become intentional about making those moment to moment connections, even if it's one new connection a day, the, the, the pleasurable feeling, the experience that you get about making that connection and just maybe lightening or brightening someone else's day or your own day in that moment, it, it, it becomes addicting. You, you want to make sure that you're reaching and connecting, connecting with as many people, regardless of your role, whether you're a classroom teacher or you're a school leader or you're a volunteer, uh, making those connections and keeping the relationships alive and growing in your school community is, is an absolute pleasure. And they don't that they don't have to be teachers. I think we just automatically assume, like, oh, I have to go find a teacher. But there are so many people who work in school buildings that we could reach out to and you know make those connections with. And I'm thinking too, Kevin, that as we model that way forward, if we make that explicit to our students, 
maybe we'll see them making those connections in our classrooms or in our hallways as well. They can have that challenge to let no one pass by unacknowledged, whether it's eye contact or just you know soft eyes, a warm smile, or just asking how their day is going. I mean, maybe we can both lead by example and we can let kids know the impact that it has on us and we can see them carrying those connections forward too. I really love that as a challenge also because I think that this gives us a practice week because you are going to be meeting new people at the Teach Better conference, right? Like, and granted, that'll be an environment we'll at where everybody will be walking around excited to meet, meet, meet new friends. And, you know, everybody will be kind of like stepping slightly out of their comfort zone to, to meet somebody that they either follow on social media or have never gotten to engage with before. But I think this week is a good practice week so that the following week, you can do it like 300 times. You know what I mean? <laughs> Kevin, do you think that you are going to meet somebody new at the Teach Better conference here in just a few weeks for 2022? I know I will because in, in 19, I met so many people that 2022, it's, it's the year. Would you mind if you can reflect back? I know it was obviously 2019 feels like ages ago. But was there a connection that you made in 2019 that you can say now in 2022 impacted you in some positive way? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think I went to 2019. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever been to Ohio. And I did not know anybody. I knew some people through, like, through social media. We knew each other, but never in person, like in real life. I went there alone. I didn't take anybody with me. Um, no entourage. Um, <laughs> And like just the, the networking part, and I, I talk about this all the time, it makes this conference so much different than any others that I've attended or spoke, spoken at. Um, but I think the, the biggest relationship, I have to say, um, was like the spark of this book. I, I, I owe a lot of it to Adam Welcome. Mm -hmm. um, I knew Adam, Adam did not know me. Um, and it was one of those things where like, I, I like the first night, I remember like seeing him from across, and there were like a lot of people there that I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. But like, I saw him across the room and I wasn't brave enough to go over. But the second day during the conference, I like did the awkward, hi, I follow you on social media. It's so nice to meet you. And then that following night, like we engaged in conversation. Um, I write about it in the book. Like he, he asked me about Twitter. I, I'm, I'm much more comfortable on Instagram than I am on Twitter. And he like had me like open a Twitter account right there and then. And when I told him I wanted to write a book and he's like, anybody could write a book, but are you really going to do it? And he followed up with me. I remember driving home from work back in LA, like two weeks later and like my phone rings and I see like Adam welcome on it. I'm like, ah, oh. and he, he, he was, a, he didn't know he was mentoring me, but he, he, he was a big uh, help in, in the whole process of laying out He's like, you can't just write a book. You need to lay out a whole road system ahead of time. And he was really helpful with all of that. So I will be forever thankful and appreciative. Yeah, I knew that fun connection was one of the many connections you made that day. I was so glad that the book was one of many things that have come from that. I think it's so wonderful that you're sharing the story, so many incredible things. And I'm so glad that people in this community has been able to support you in that mission. Really quick, Brad, I know we're trying to get into progress and perfection segment, but I just have to say, Kevin, you just modeled something that is so hard for so many of us to do, which is when you go to a conference and you see somebody 
that you either think you know or would like to know better or follow on social media so you don't know them personally. And like, I know it sounds silly, but like getting up the courage to walk up and be like, I know you, but you don't know me. Like it's such a strange feeling. And for some reason, if you feel embarrassed, like I don't know all the emotions that come, there's this anxiety, but we don't want that at Teach Better 2022 because we know that it's something that we can all strive to overcome. So Brad, Kevin, what are some strategies that we can give our viewers right now to be like, here are some easy one-liners to stick in your pocket to start out some of those conversations. Here are some of those strategies to kind of walk up because you're going to do this a lot at Teach Break 2022. So we might as well have a full toolbox of, of tips, right? You know, Ray and Kevin, I can't think of any one-liners maybe for once in my life right now. But uh, what I will say is that if everyone comes to the conference just knowing in their heart that they have something of value to offer, uh, and just as Kevin and we were talking about earlier, Ray, just making that initial connection of, of getting to know one another, just reaching out. And even if you don't know each other well yet, you know, even folks that are coming for the first time or coming from, you know, from uh, for from many experiences, having written many books and, and having having presented many, many times, even well-known folks like Adam Welcome are there to learn along with other conferees. And so if you just approach every interaction as an opportunity to know one another better and also to share a little bit of the value that you have, uh, then I think that can go a long way to smoothing those initial uh, those initial steps to making conversation. Is anything coming to mind for you, Kevin? Any 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 tricks up your sleeve to make conversation at a conference? I think being totally honest and just being like, yeah, I do follow you on Instagram or I do follow you on Twitter. Um, I think that that's a great icebreaker. Um, and I think, again, the idea of having the mindset of, I think that's what makes this conference um, different from others is that everybody is approachable. Like we're all there with that same mindset that we are there to meet new people. And there are so many presenters, but you don't have to be a presenter to, to be sharing knowledge with other people. You know, there's those lunchtime and those networking opportunities. So just, I mean, you only live once, just do it. Yes, I completely agree. I love the honesty approach. I love the providing context in the initial statement. Think of how you're familiar with them. Maybe you saw them speak earlier that day. Maybe you follow them on social media. It's a great opening line to say, hey, Brad Hughes, I've seen you on Sunday Weekly Warm Up. My name's Ray, right? It's a really good context to say, here's something that I've experienced and how I think that I might be familiar with you and then go from there. It gives you that that opening sentence, then then the ice is broken. You don't have to be worried the rest of the time. Right? Yeah, right. It's always so we're sorry, Kevin, go ahead. Um, just we're all educators. Like yeah. we're all educators. We're all there for the same reason. We so so fun. I was just thinking how rewarding it is uh when any of us hear how we've added value or how we've added something. Uh, to improve someone else's life, whether it's as an educator or just as a human being. So if you're making those initial connections, just let someone know a small difference that they make to you or how excited you are to uh, to meet them and, and start a conversation that way it might just be a, a great way to start. So many more conversations to be had. We are going to wrap up here with our last segment of our progress, not perfection to have this mindset that, you know, even through failure, we're learning and all in this this process of being better every single day. So we'll be right back.
Welcome back in everyone. It's the Sunday weekly warm up with Brad Hughes and Ray Hewitt from the Teach Better team. We are spending the evening tonight with Kevin Butler, author and educator in LA, California. And Kevin, as we turn the page on this last segment, we're talking progress, not perfection. I thought it would be cool to go back and just talk about how you, Ray, and I are really committed to normalizing mistakes as part of the learning process, both for our students, but also for ourselves. Let's face it, you know, who has higher expectations of themselves than teachers and educators? And how can we shift our thinking from getting it right to continuing to work to get it better and better? Do, do you have any tricks up your sleeve, Kevin, to help remind you that mistakes are part of the growth and the learning process? Um, I don't know if I have any tricks, but I just, just the idea of having it in the front of your mind that you've got to try things. I mean, things are not always going to work out. You know, a lot of people ask me about like these big uh, simulation lessons that I do and they're nervous to start them. Um, my advice is like, if you're nervous, maybe working with a colleague and doing it with somebody, um, helping each other out. Um, but just, I think we just need to get into that mindset that not everything's going to be perfect. That's okay. Um, I'm very type A personality, so that's challenging for me. Mm. Uh, but it's okay. Like tomorrow's a brand new day. Think of the bigger picture. Um, if you're thinking of it as a school year, you've got a hundred and so many more days to make that difference and to revise and reflect upon it. I think that's probably a really big piece too, is taking time to reflect, like, where did it go wrong? Um, what could I have I done, you know, next time when I do this again, what could I do differently? Um, and just, we're tough on ourselves. I think educators mm -hmm. just, that's just part of our culture that we are just, we're tough on ourselves. So be kind to yourself. There's a lot of good suggestions in there that you said, Kevin, and I feel like it aligns with what you've shared thus far is understanding that revisions and adjustment is a part of the process, even including your students in that, not only showing them all the edits of your book, but also allowing them to be a part of trying something new and getting their feedback of how you can adjust a lesson in the future. And I think being kind to yourself is one of the many things that educators need to be reminded of right now. I'm hearing a lot of educators feeling the pressure of this field on them as we head into October. October can be a very stressful month, as many, many are aware. And I love the reminder that that you need to also be good to yourself so you can be good for others, right? I know, Brad, we we had a similar conversation just before the show. We sure did. And uh, I, I think that it's a matter of just giving ourselves permission to feel what we feel as we work our way through setbacks and misunderstandings. And and although, the, although, although all of those are inevitable, it's in hindsight that we can take a look and maybe these mistakes were our most powerful learning moments. You know what, uh, uh, mastermind author Daniel Bauer said that mistakes are our mentors. And I would say they can be our mentors if we allow them to be. But um, so many of us are averse to making mistakes because we think it re may reflect poorly on us or it may reflect uh, a, sort of a lack of performance or a lack of knowledge. But uh, we're in the mistake making business and modeling our way forward about making mistakes and persevering through them and, and reminding ourselves that <laughs> learning can be awfully uncomfortable. It can, it can, it can feel defeating. It can feel really, really frustrating, but you know, as we persevere through mistakes and as we persevere through difficult things and challenges, then we may acquire a mindset that, wow, look at what I learned and look at how I grew. I, I was worried that I was going to slip all the way back to square one, but you know what? I'm, I'm not going back there. I'm going to, I'm going to fail forward, if you will. So, you know, Kevin, I, I wonder if, uh, if this is a key aspect of, 
of your message to your students is you describe yourself as an author and as an educator is that, you know, let's, let's, let's discover these mistakes together and let's learn through this process of making them. I try to, I try to intentionally say that daily to my students is like, I make a hundred mistakes a day. You may not see all of them because I'm trying to hide them from you, but I'm making them and that's okay. And it's something else that I bring at, uh, back to school night with parents. Mm -hmm. I'm very transparent uh, with parents that I, you're trusting me with your, like one of your most valuable, not possessions, I don't know what a better word for possession mm -hmm. is, one of your most valuable things, your children. Um, and I'm working my hardest to do the best for them, but I will make mistakes and communication is so important. If something doesn't sound right, call me or email me. Um, I do prefer to talk to people in person, but COVID and things, I know there are some, some people aren't comfortable with coming into school anymore. Um, but just that idea of communication um, and just, again, being honest, like, yeah, I, I, I may have said that or I may have done that next time. Maybe we can do something differently. I, I love the reminder and the acknowledgement. I think there's a little bit of balance there we need to have, but the acknowledgement that like we will make mistakes and that is something that we're even communicating to people, you know, like parents, I think it'd be very nerve wracking. You don't want to come across uneducated to parents because you absolutely are a professional and you, and you really do know how, uh, what's best for students in the majority of the cases. But I do like finding the balance of saying, but I'm a human being because sometimes I think, there is a mishap that our community members can feel where they forget that teachers are real people, right? Like they go home to their families and, and we have our own lives that we live separate from our classrooms as well. So um, as you think through, as you know, everyone heads into their week this week, reflecting on finding a balance between feeling confident that you're an expert and that you do know what's best, but also being transparent with those around you that, you know, mistakes will happen. I'll absolutely say the wrong thing sometimes and we'll still get through it. But I love your emphasis on the fact that communication, if they see something that's questionable, the first thing you got to do is ask and we'll figure it out together versus figuring it out separate. And sometimes it's not even a mistake. It's just a miscommunication. We've yeah. all played telephone before. Like things can get, you know, changed quite dramatically, especially yeah. when we're working with kids. <laughs> So important. Brad, as we kind of wrap up our conversation here, and I know we'll all physically be together in two weeks, which is like truly baffling in my mind. Uh, Brad, any final challenges you want to push out to our community here as we have them uh, kind of wrap up our conversation before they connect with Kevin? Ray, I just want to say how incredible it has been to connect with Kevin and, and to make the focus of our Sunday weekly warm up, you know, the power uh, of relationships, the power of those connections. So I'd like to go back to that challenge that Kevin put out to our community, and that is to be intentional about seeking connections, especially with those in your building or maybe even in your community that you don't know well yet. Uh, you might really be surprised what you can learn about others, but also about yourself if we approach every really, every every interaction as an opportunity to uplift and to share a little bit of ourselves and, and to receive a little bit of others along the way. I think that's a fantastic uh, challenge as we go into the new week. And Kevin, it's been wonderful to connect with you. And 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 thanks for joining us from, the, you know, the co you're, you're the guest with the most on the West Coast, Kevin. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Kevin, would you mind uh, sharing with our network here how they can stay connected to you? Sure. Uh, across social media, it's just the Kevin J. Butler. Um, and 
email. It's thekevinjbutler at gmail.com and the internet, www.thekevinjbutler.com. I love it. As many of you may already be familiar, literally connecting with Kevin anywhere is easy at teachbetter.com. If you can't find him, search him at Teach Better because you'll be able to find him on our website and then linked out everywhere else as well. So if you want to make it easy on yourself. Did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. I said, and then in person in Ohio in, in 12 days. <laughs> yes. In person, you can get your copy of his book. You can get it signed by the Kevin J. Butler, just so fancy schmancy and It'll be so wonderful to keep celebrating all the wonderful things you're doing, Kevin. So thank you so much for coming live with us. And thank you to our community here. We hope you have an absolutely incredible week ahead. And we're so excited to not only be a part of your life this week virtually, but see you in person here in just a few weeks. All right. Bye, friends. See you soon.